Kia ora, koto everyone. Welcome to Queenstown Live Podcast. I really need a jingle. I've been saying it for three weeks. <laughs> oh well. Um, I'm very privileged to be here with Melissa Clark Reynolds, who is, I love these lists that I make for people, futurist, digital strategist, Wellington entrepreneur, and mum of two babies who are 19 and 37. <laughs> you big legend. Uh, and also, youngest woman to ever attend university. I bet you love it when people pull that one out. Welcome, yeah. Ari Mai. Oh, kia ora. Nice to be here. Do, yeah, do it's you funny, want- eh? Like, when I went to uni, because I went at 15, um, I actually lied to people and told them I was older because I was so embarrassed about it. You know, it's that Kiwi kind of thing that was like, I didn't really want them to know I was such a nerdy swat. Yeah, but the thing is, did you get away with that? Because I didn't get away with yeah. getting into clubs till I was about 24. Oh, <laughs> see, I'd been 22 for so long that by the time I actually turned 22, it was a bit of a shock. <laughs> and um, I worked in bars from 15. Because in those days too, nobody, you didn't have a, um, you had a paper like driver's license. So I didn't have your photo on or any of that yeah. crap. You didn't have ID. So I just sort of strutted in because I realized like you got paid a lot more working in a bar or wine waiting in those days than you did as a waitress. It's like an extra three bucks an hour or something. So you were like, I'm having some of that. Um, I was just like, yeah. Bring it on. So you're in Wellington and have you you been in Wellington the whole of this weird time? I have. I left the house today. I have. I am yet to leave the house. I'm going to yeah. leave this afternoon. Um, but how are you? And how are you? And I read something this morning that said people have got to stop asking how are you and actually, well, not stop, but kind of say, have you slept? Are you <laughs> eating? <laughs> oh yeah, I've slept. It turned into the 1950s for about six of the weeks of lockdown here, and I was putting like lunch out and morning and afternoon tea and you know, baking like mad. And then, um, yeah, you know, there was ginger crunch and there was like chocolate chip cookies. Which is what Michelle Accord said her household turned into. She was like, I turned into a 1950s housewife. I was presenting things. Yeah. Um, But, you know, um, yeah, after a few kilos, we all got a bit tired of that. Yeah. (laughs) Who was in your household during that time? Um, Just my man, Mike and I. Um, and, and we have, you know, a couple of feral bunnies. Yep. Yep. So that was it. And I actually really enjoyed not going anywhere. And um, it cracked me up because the first morning that was sort of of level, whatever this is, level two, um, Mike had his shoes on. He was out of the house and off to a cafe. And, um, and I, like, have had no urge to go to a cafe. Um, I've barely been to a supermarket now since, I don't know, whatever that was. We, we put ourselves into lockdown a week early. Um, so I think I've, I think I've been to twice to more Wilson's or something. And is that different for you? Are you usually a girl about town or are you a, do you like nestling? I am, I am an introvert who works it up, you know, and so I make a career out of being, um, an extrovert, but I'm yeah. not. Yep. And so to be fair, I've really loved it. And, um, I mean, I had like a massive amount of income walk out the door because I do a lot of stuff that I do is um, I speak at events and I work conferences and I... And that became illegal. (laughs) Yeah, I run workshops for boards 
and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, so, you know, I had six figures of income just cancel and then probably another six figures go, we'll do it next year. Um, but what I've really loved, and I used to fly three times a week. So anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I've got this like running battle going on within New Zealand because they had about a 15% on time rate for me in the last year. Yeah. Um, and so it's just been such a joy not complaining about in New Zealand. Yeah. And it's been an absolute joy not being in a lounge, not eating shit food as I run through an airport. And I'm um, celiac and I don't eat egg or dairy. And so, because um, I'm allergic to them. So trying to find like what is basically sort of vegan gluten-free food on the run means I live on chippies. Yeah. And chips. Yeah. And, uh, and a bit of rice. And so I've just loved having proper food. Yeah. And I, I read that you're a lover of swimming, which is where we, we will connect very well with that. Because that's <laughs> my, I've missed it immensely. Well, I swam competitively for 35 years. Amazing. I love it. Um, And then actually just one day I was in the pool and I was surrounded by band-aids and other people's hair ties and just sort of had a like, (laughs) I'm done with this moment. And I've always swum in the sea as well. But as I've got colder, I've just got a bit averse to the, um, as I've got older. (laughs) As you've got colder, you've got older. I've got older and colder. Yeah. Um, So I swim in the summer. Um, but this summer in Wellington was a shocker. So um, I only got about five swims in. But yeah. I'm really looking forward to a, you know, a decent summer. Um, I've done a shitload of yoga under lockdown. Like I, I ended up um, there's a studio just up the road from me that I love, and I ended up carrying a laptop up to them and setting them up, like without doing any touching line. And then um, I have a, another guy I practice with who um, is now doing online classes out of the Bhakti Lounge, which is the Hare Krishna Centre. And so I've, I've done yoga pretty much six days a week since we started lockdown, which has been a real bonus of not travelling. Yeah, 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 totally. My schedule, and I had a favourite studio in Wellington, Auckland, Christchurch, um, Napier, um, you know, so I could book in whenever I got into those towns, but you know, it's just been a real joy being like able to do regular practice. Yeah, totally. I know what you mean. And I, I was saying this morning, like I just, my toddler went back to daycare on Monday, and I'm really, oh I found it really, I found the, the juggle really difficult. But the yeah. actual, we used to go out at eight thirty every morning and have a have a coffee and a walk round, and it was so divine i really yeah. really miss that how, yeah. how do you feel being separated from your babies like are you um i was talking to kylie yesterday about you know i'm sitting watching with my face pressed up against the window at what's going on in the uk and she's doing the same yeah. in the us and yeah. the horror the sheer horror <laughs> yeah how, how does that so, feel um so my parents my father and my stepmother are um in philadelphia which is pretty bad and um, we were supposed to be going to Cornwall for my dad's 80th in July. And so we early on, my dad still thinks he's like 50 and he still runs competitively. And, um, and we early on as a family made a call that we weren't taking him to the UK just because they were managing it so badly yeah. that there was no way. And he's just like, oh, you know, I run, I fly, I do all this stuff. And we're like, yeah, you're not dying at your 80th birthday party. 
And so it took me a while to feel okay that they were really locked in in there because my parents were still going to work and he still works and, you know, um, I got a bit scared about that. And then my son and his wife and kids live in East London and, you know, they've had friends who've been terribly sick, neighbours dead. Um, and I'm glad they've kind of they've evacuated to the country and I, yeah. I feel much better about that. Yeah. Um, I suspect that they had it. You know, the UK wasn't doing testing and they were really sick just before we went into lockdown. And um, it was rampant in Hackney. If you look at the numbers early on, it was it was one of the hot spots. So, um, so I'm glad that they're tucked up in the country. And um, but I worry also about you know my daughter-in-law's parents and yeah. um, and her cousins and family. And so, and I've got so many friends in the UK, and I just think, um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to be there on holiday. A um, couple of my favourite places in the world are like the Ladies Swimming Pond at Hampstead Heath. Oh, I love it there. Right, so where I booked myself in for like a week of swimming and then yeah, we were going down to Cornwall and um, I was just really looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, I feel like both those two countries scare the crap out of me. Yeah. Luckily, um, my daughter's in Melbourne and they, um, she's at university there and they've done, I think, a pretty good job. It took them a while, but, um, but they have been quite well locked down. Yeah. And, um, and she's in a house that normally has 96 of them in it. She lives in a college and, um, and there's only sort of 40 of them. Yeah. And it all seems to have gone quite well. So it's more that I would have loved to have had her home because I've been home so much and I love yeah. her company. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I wasn't actually scared for her. And I wasn't really scared for my, other, my son and his wife and kids, but I was really concerned about just, and I'm still concerned about what's going on in the UK. It's a yeah. mess. Yeah. Oh, it is totally. I, I can't, I, I can't, um, my, my sister's like, I can't talk about it anymore. She's like, yeah. I, can't, I just can't talk about it. I get so angry and upset about it. I just, I'm just trying to be normal as normal. Yeah. Well, my son's father who, you know, I got together with when I was just a wee baby um, and we're still great mates. Um, he went, he, he lives in Cheltenham and Cheltenham's a hot spot. And so I'm really glad he went and hung out with them for the first sort of six months, um, six weeks of lockdown. And because um, I was just anxious, I think, anxious about anyone I really love. Yeah. Sure all right yeah, yeah. And so in terms of your work that's, because you, you worked in crisis management before. Not really. Um, I, what I do these days is I work as a futurist. And so yes. I really think about what's coming. And it's, <laughs> I know. Which and I laughed at I'm like, Aren't you really busy? <laughs> I've been really busy, but I'm really chilled now. But I got really busy pretty much. I was looking back at my notes from the 31st of December, and then by the 7th of February, it was out of control busy. Um, and so 31st of December, I just thought, um, I was looking back at the emails I sent and notes I wrote, and again by mid-January, I just thought we were going to be utterly disrupted in terms of China and supply chain, and I I work a lot in the New Zealand food industry and I work for a lot of food um, organisations and yeah. farming organisations. And so we were really concerned about whether we were going to be able to keep selling New Zealand food into China. This last year was a boomer of a year for New Zealand products into China, especially because of this, you know, the whole swine flu thing. Yeah. So record amount of meat sold last year ever and record into China. And so then suddenly it's like, oh my God, it looks like China's going to collapse from this thing. 
And at first, I didn't really think pandemic. I just thought China's in trouble. And then um, I was looking at my notes. By February 7th, I knew that it was going to be a pandemic. And I think everybody did by then. But by then, I'd really got what trouble um, the US was going to be in. Yeah. And that was when I started saying, well, what are we going to do? Because we were diverting product out of China and into the US. But we were going, oh, my God, the US ports are going to collapse because they're full of undocumented workers with crappy healthcare. The US meat companies have, have just been atrocious, you know? Like, there are basically only 20 um, meatpacking like actual facilities in the US that pack all the pork and all the chicken and all the beef for the US. And they work shoulder to shoulder. They've had thousands of sick employees. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, by February, I could see that coming. And um, so that's a lot of what I do these days. I've kind of been doing that for the last five years. And I, um, I did study epidemiology at university, which helps. So I'm kind of interested in how all this stuff plays out. But what I had done is I've been through the Christchurch earthquakes. We lived in Christchurch and I've been through Wellington earthquakes. And that really helped me to, particularly the organizations I work with, to think about how we prepare for whatever the next disaster is. Yeah, because and, yeah. there is going to be something else. And, and, and pandemics and, are coming every three years now. Yeah. And, and we like, know with climate change, we're kind of doing our best as a species to accelerate that. Yeah. So this is not the one. I no. want everyone to get that. <laughs> this is the practice for the one. And I, know, and I know you're not a future teller, you know, a fortune teller. And I know what does the future look like is a massive question. But in terms of New Zealand, um, what, sh- what should we be focusing on now for us to flourish? Oh, I've got a couple of things. I mean, one is we have to sort out our inequality. You yeah. know, our inequality over the last 10 years has grown massively. And so one of the things that really worried me, and I think we've done incredibly well, was if this virus had gone into South Auckland or East Cape, we were going to see masses of more dead than we saw because we live in a country that has like rheumatic fever, yeah. you know, that has measles. We, we have third world diseases in a first world country. And the reason we have those is because our housing stock is terrible and poverty has gone through the roof in the last 10 years. Yeah. We have to sort that. We have to sort our housing out. And then on the economic growth side, um, like we can go on and on about tech all we want and I'm out of tech, but actually it's the food sector that keeps New Zealand going. Yeah. And so we should double down on great food, on high quality, um, phenomenally produced in concert with nature, amazing tasting, great provenance food. So it's sort of basically my two things. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just sort those out right now. I know sort those out. And you know, the food thing includes like cleaning up our waterways, sorting out our climate impact, all of that. But um but we have to get our we have to get the poverty bit sorted. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all we're gonna have is like we're gonna have more and more um we're not gonna have a cohesive society. Yeah. And part of what worked for us this time is because as New Zealanders we're actually pretty egalitarian and we're pretty generous. Right, you look at the difference between us and the US. The US would rather be free than you know die free. Yeah. So Kyla talked about rather look after people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So she she talked about you know they asked general average New Zealander his thing was fair go, whereas you know what was the most important thing and America is freedom. 
And she's like, yeah. the difference. So we've got a really amazing opportunity to do all this exciting stuff that we can yeah. just go, do you know what? We're just going to do it. Yeah. We're just going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of you being, I mean, going to university at 15, <laughs> we, and, and, and I, I don't like the whole, if you went back, would you change anything? Because I think the oh, yeah. stuff that we learn is really interesting anyway. And whether something works yeah. or not doesn't work, you learn and you meet people and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. But what would you tell your 15-year-old self? Well, actually, I did tell my 15-year-old that um, I thought she should wait till she was 16. So she went at 16. <laughs> and, um, and she went off to Melbourne all by herself. You keep producing really clever children. <laughs> yeah, she went off to Melbourne at 16. But I, um, we actually, yeah, I, I think that it wasn't that I was too young. I just didn't have the kind of support that I should have had. Yeah. So because I was 15, they had these stupid rules. Like I couldn't live in the halls because you had to be 16 to live on campus. So I had to go flatting, Do you know? So if you think about like some of that stuff was stupid, whereas with Melbourne, they were great. They'd had um, other 16 year olds um, at the, at the college she went to, they'd had a 16 year old every year. So they were just really blase about it. They were like, yeah, we know how to do that. And um, so I knew she was going into a really great support structure. Yeah. Whereas I went into no support structure at all. And um, and then, you know, all the usual boring stuff, right? Sexually harassed by my professor, you know, blah, blah, blah. He used to follow me to swim training because I was swimming pretty seriously at that. He'd come and watch me swim. It was all really creepy. And at 15, he told me that I could get like thrown out of the university if I didn't put up with it. And, you know, again, like, that's what I mean by just, like, no support. Yeah. So um, so I, I think going at 15 would have been fine if I'd had a different kind of wraparound system. Yeah. One of my best friends, her daughter has gone to um, one of the Institutes of Technology at 15 and just had the most extraordinary time, you know, and she's 16 now um, in her second year and doing great. And so that's why I think, I don't think it's about the age. Like, there was nothing else for me to do. I'd finished school. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd done all the courses you could do. I'd been like house captain and captain of just about everything and prefect. And, you know, there wasn't like I was going to do it. What would I do another year at school and yeah. do what? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, work. And I was, you know, if I'd worked for a year, well, who was going to pay a 15-year-old to do very much? And in terms of being at home and doing all this stuff that you might not have had time to do, what, what have you noticed about yourself? Have you noticed anything about yourself that you went, um, I really, have really enjoyed not taking three hours to get to the office. Yeah. Which is basically if I'm going to Welling, if I'm going to Auckland, the fastest I can do it is in three hours. And I used to kid myself that I used that three hours usefully. Do you know that I was somehow reading or listening to podcasts or um, something and the truth of it is, by the time I've driven to the airport and pissed around in the Cory Lounge and then got on the plane and then been in an Uber, I've actually only had about 20 minutes of useful time in that three yeah. hours. Yeah. And then I'm, um, so I have really found that I'd rather spend that three hours doing yoga, hanging out in the garden, reading a book. And um, so I don't want to go back. And so I've just been declining every in-person meeting I can possibly decline. I am nodding until it's impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I counted up. I think I counted up last year, and I was doing like ten hours a week of coffee meetings that turned into nothing. And I was like, "This is one. I'm exhausted. Two. I don't want to leave my house. Like, I like my house." 
Yeah. <laughs> I want to say all the things around me and do some stuff. Yeah. I can have these conversations online and still have this really good connection with you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, totally. And I've got a house full of cut flowers because the garden looks great. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've just loved it. And there's so much stuff that is um, great online. Yeah. I, I would, I, I'd never done yoga online before. And now I do like it live online, right? I, I like it with an instructor, not yep. just watching someone do a video. But um, I just love it. Yeah. I love that it doesn't take me an hour to get to yoga or whatever yeah. it is. No, no, no. It takes totally. me a minute and a half. I've, I've created a space in the living room that I can move one chair and I've got a yoga studio. Yeah. Ta-da! Ta-da! Amazing. Um, yeah. So are you, um, are you ready for your quick fire round? Yeah. Um, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Uh, Vegemite or Marmite? No. Uh, Peanut butter. Crunchy or smooth? Crunchy. Well, because apparently only psychos eat smooth. Like uh, because under lockdown, um, <laughs> there was no crunchy peanut butter to be had in Wellington, and there was none to be had in Melbourne. And eventually I had to buy like a kilo thing of crunchy to send to my daughter in Melbourne at university because <laughs> that was my mummy love gift to her. Was that and some whatever. <laughs> Someone wrote that only cereal killers eat smooth peanut butter somewhere. Oh, that's true. Like, I agree. And especially that sweet American one. Oh, no, just no. Um, were you the type of girl who did your homework at the start of the school holidays or at two o'clock in the morning before? Two o'clock in the morning. Oh, God, there's yeah. so many of you. I've just tidied my room and I actually cried yesterday reading some of my school reports. <laughs> I found a whole stash of school reports and the ones from high school basically said, um, it, it's a shame Melissa's so bright because she never does any work and all that sort of stuff. And there was a whole lot, Mr. Farnsworth said, Melissa has the curse of a good mind to <laughs> do some homework. <laughs> oh my God. At two o'clock the day after, once they told me off. Oh, you lot, I tell you. Um, hot, hot bath or hot shower? Bath. Uh, watch, do you wear your watch on your left or your right arm? Left. And are you right-handed? Yeah. Oh, you see, I'm right-handed and right watch. Um, uh, Kindle or book? Well, I love books, but I just bought myself a Kindle and my daughter gave me this really nice case and I've just finally downloaded my first Kindle book. But I, I, I really am a book girl. Yeah, but I, yeah. I bought a Kindle. Well I done. Be decorative. I love it. Um, one album that you'd have to listen to for the rest of your life? Uh, the Elvira Madigan Suite, Mozart, 17 and 21. Well, I love how direct that was. <laughs> like, I know what this is. Um, spring or autumn? Spring. And something you've been listening to or watching that you'd like to recommend? Mrs. America. Is it, what, Where's that? Uh, it's on Netflix, I think. Ooh. It's amazing. It's Kate Blanchett. Um, it's a sort of biopic series about all of these women that were like my mum's era. Um, so it's about the Equal Rights Amendment in the US. And it's still dropping one a week. It's so old-fashioned <gasps> weird. I have not heard of... I'm getting all these amazing it's recommendations. so good. And um, it, she plays... Kate Blanchett plays this right-wing anti-feminist 
um, who's a real person called Phyllis Schlafly. It's so good. That's a great last name. Um, yeah. I'm going to look at that. I'm writing it down. Yeah. Um, and what are you going to go and do right now? I'm going to make a cup of tea and go to yoga. Me too. Well, I'm going to go for a walk. Um, thank you so much for giving us your <laughs> thank time. Thank you. It's just a pleasure. <laughs> Um, we will we will talk very soon. Uh, actually, on, on our next podcast, we're going to talk about your bees. Oh, great! I actually got decimated by wasps, and I don't have any at the moment. Oh no! I know. So I'm going to have to start again in November. You are, and then but we yeah, we on. absolute wasps just ate them horrible. Uh, I didn't even know they did that. <laughs> yeah, nasty. Thank you so right, much. Beautiful. Thank you. See have you soon. Time. Bye.